The Daily Tap is live for Friday. We've made it. We are one day away from Packers Niners. We're going to do our final thoughts on the Packers and Niners, give you five things to take away today. Also, we're going to weekend preview it for the basketball world here in Wisconsin. We have a lot of good basketball this weekend on top of playoff football. And then lastly, just kind of do a couple random topics, things I've been throwing around, maybe a little bit of Hawaii talk in there uh, to wrap up the show. Um, we'll f- I'll figure out what it's called. I mean, maybe like bar complaints. Some of them are complaints. Some of them are not bar complaints and advice. Um, I, yeah, let's call it that. Bar complaints and advice. Look at that. On the fucking fly. You got to love it. Make sure you're following us on social media. Uh, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports, everywhere else. Um, we also rate, review, subscribe, please. Like we'd really appreciate it. Um, also, I'm sure you already subscribed, but if you have friends who you think would really like us, be sure you're sending it to them. Make sure you're like, hey, check these guys out. Like get get your mind right for Packers and Niners. We we would greatly appreciate that. More to come this year from us. I promise it's going to be a little different. And when I say a little different, I mean good different. So don't worry about that. All right, let's talk about the Packers and Niners, which everybody is excited for. How can you not be? I am. Pro- I might be a little more excited because I'm going. Um, honestly, like, I-, I think it's hard not to be excited when you know you're going up to a playoff football game. This is my first one. Um, I look at it and say, well, if they lose, it's gonna really fucking suck. But the experience is worth it alone. I, I talked about, I think, during the Bucks run, how. All my friends were around for the Game 7 uh, Nets Bucks. And I was like perfectly at peace if the Bucks were to lose that game because I was with all these people who I hadn't seen in a while. And I was like, you know what? This is fine. Especially after the COVID year, the whole shit. I was like, okay, this is this is great. And this is what I, I want and what I, I crave at times with being more of an extrovert. Now, I'm only with Murph and a couple of his buddies who I love and, and everything like that. So it's a little different. But still, the experience alone, there at some point, I will be, I will be crestfallen. I'm not going to lie to you. But I, at the same time, like three months, four months down the road, I'll look back and I'll say, well, I always have that memory. And if somehow that's Aaron Rodgers' last game, which I hope it's not, pardon me there for the, it wasn't like I was starting to cry, early morning shit. Um, if it's Aaron Rodgers' last game, then I, I have that sort of in my back pocket. But that's negative talk. We want to get that negativity out of the way. It's like, you just have to at least go into it a little bit with that. You can't be naive, but we'll, we'll push that aside. We'll go back to positive. We'll talk about the five things that I think kind of matter, the last five things to leave you with as we head into the weekend. As you notice, it's a little different. No gambling preview. I don't know. I just felt like everybody does gambling. And I tried to fit it into local, and I think it works, honestly. But I also think like you guys don't give a shit. So if you do and you're like, where's the gambling? Let me know. Um, I'm happy to revert back uh, if there is a next week. So let's talk about the Packers Niners. We'll give a prediction at the very end. I think I already gave a prediction, but if I didn't, um, on tapping the keg, I will give another one. The first thought I have is that people are making way too big of a deal about the Packers running game issues. 
EPA has been the hottest thing in the streets. EPA is that new Instagram model that everybody's talking about. If EPA was an Instagram profile, she probably would be Julia Fox, right? Like that's what we're doing with EPA. All of a sudden, everybody's latching on to that advanced metrics. It's expected plays per average. It's a good metric. A lot of people use it. It's kind of overtaking DVOA. DVOA used to be the analytical kind of deity, shall we say. And I think because of the success of the Packers, because of the success of the Tennessee Titans, people have gravitated more towards EPA than they have DVOA. So everybody's using that and saying, well, the Packers have awful run statistics against EPA, and that's why the Packers are going to lose this game. That's basically the premise, right? I personally do not see it that way. I don't see it that way at all. I think the running game, the run defense issues are inflated uh, to the best of our our knowledge because they were like a bad stretch, really. I mean, if you really think about it, it was a bad stretch for the Packers. They played the Bears. The Bears ran all the way on the outside. Green Bay couldn't keep contained. The Bears went nuts. Now, they shut them down in the second half. Again, that gets forgotten in this. Like, we look at these metrics and we're like, all right, yeah, the Packers are terrible against the run. It's like, okay, they were bad for a half against Chicago. Then they shut it, shut it down for the second half. Then you had the Baltimore game. Remember, Kenny Clark didn't play in that game. My dad pointed that out to me. Kenny Clark did not play in that game, and, and that's such a huge part of what they're going to do. And if you have a run-first team and Kenny Clark is not in there, of course they're going to have a big fucking game. That That's simple science. That's not... It's nothing new there. That shouldn't. It doesn't need an advanced metric to know that. But not having Kenny Clark is such a major factor in why the Packers struggled. Then you had the game against Cleveland where they, again, ran to the outside. The, the contain was terrible and everything like that. What gets lost in the shuffle, probably because Sean Mannion was that quarterback, was they really did a pretty good job of bottling up Delvin Cook. Delvin Cook didn't do anything. And Delvin Cook should have been the focus of this game. Now, I went away from the run. It probably was the game that got Mike Zimmer fired. But they did not do a lot from the outside. So I'm not ready to just be like, oh, the Packers are terrible at run defenses 2019 all over again, and we're completely fucked. First of all, that 2019 Niners team is a really good team. <laughs> they are really good. And the, the fact is the Packers 2021 team is really fucking good. I don't know if the Niners are. The Niners have talented players up and down this roster, all right? But they have holes, and we'll talk about those as we get into this. But I just don't understand necessarily this whole idea that 2019 equals 2022. It just it doesn't connect for me. It, it really doesn't because... It's not apples to apples, guys. Like this is if if they were in San Francisco, if Raheem Mostert was playing, if the I'm trying to think of another example, I, but if the coordinators were the same, like Mike Patton's not there anymore, even like it's fucking Joe Barry, like they're doing different things. So I I don't necessarily agree with the whole premise that Green Bay is going to struggle uh, stopping the run. Number two, I, I I don't think enough people are talking about. Aaron Rodgers against this Niners secondary. To me, this feels like the biggest match mismatch. Like we can talk all the time about the run defense of the Packers, but the Niners pass defense is bad. The Niners pass defense has struggled against number one receivers all year. They struggle against good quarterbacks and have struggled. Rodgers lit them up in week three. 
they do a lot of grabbing. They are a physical secondary who will get penalties against them. The people who say Aaron Rodgers gets all the calls, I would ask you to watch this Niner secondary before you say that because they hold like a motherfucker. And if the refs, who I, I forget who's refing this game. I think it's Ron Tolbert. It's like an all-star crew, so it's not even really his crew. Um, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily know. Maybe they're going to call it a little tighter. We'll, we'll just have to see. Um, and, that, and that's going to really be a big factor, honestly. And But Rodgers should be able to light up the secondary. Rodgers has been great against four-man rushes. Like, that whole narrative is dead. Uh, Rodgers has been really good in the too-high look this year. Rodgers has been great against the Blitz. I don't know what D'Amico Ryans could cook up where Aaron Rodgers would be frustrated. Aaron Rodgers had great protection all year. Coach Steph has done a great job. Um, and I I think that Rodgers is going to light it up. I think Rodgers knows that this is a really important... Well, he obviously knows it's really important. But he he just kind of, I think, knows the, the window of opportunity here is very small. And I think Rodgers is going to light it up. I think there is still... With San Francisco, you know, multiple seasons that have ended because of the 49ers for Rodgers. And I, I think that matters. I've fucked the draft stuff from years ago. Uh, but no, I, I think to, losing in 2013, losing in 2018, losing in 2012. Like I, I, even though those games do not have any bearing on this one, I do think Aaron Rodgers deep down inside knows that this has been a team that has ended his season multiple years. Now, it could just be... They're a thorn in the side, and that's and that's that, and we'll talk about that. But I refuse to admit that that's true, and I do think Rodgers will want to exact some revenge. Number three, Jimmy G's lack of cold weather experience has to be taken seriously. I'm sorry, this is a factor. In a zero-degree game in the cold, Jimmy G has not played in a game under 38 degrees. Jimmy G does not have a record under 32 degrees. Aaron Rodgers, I think John Ewing, who's a deity as well. I've been using deity a lot. Um, should because it's like I was like, he's a god. Like, I just like to shake it up. But John Ewing's awesome. Uh, I think he works for BetMGM. He had a stat that was 31 and 11 against the spread uh, as Aaron Rodgers under 32 degree weather. So Aaron Rodgers has been excellent in this environment. Obviously, this is a carryover from what we've seen from Brett Favre. And, uh, and so basically has been Packer lore for the last, I don't know, 25, 30 years. Jimmy G has never played in a game like this. Jimmy G has played 38 degrees was the coldest game Jimmy G has played in. Jimmy G does not know this type of weather. Jimmy G can say, all right, I'm a guy from Illinois. Like I've been in this weather before. I know what it's like. Dude, it's fucking different, right? And I know what Mitch said a couple days ago. He's like, well, once these guys get on the field, it doesn't really matter. I just think it does for a quarterback. And maybe, yeah, for a lineman, for tight end, for a wide receiver, it doesn't. But for a quarterback, like the way you handle the ball, the way you grip the ball, the just taking hits, like even though Lambeau is a hot field, like that's still going to hurt. Like these shoulder and thumb injuries that Jimmy G has, if he goes down on one of those, like that's going to be a really, really tough fall, even with a heated turf. Like that's still going to hurt. Because it's not necessarily the turf impact, rather just what you're going to feel on the sidelines dealing with that injury. Like, 
I don't think that's being considered enough that Jimmy G has no experience. And that's also why I think the Packers need to start fast. Like this isn't one of my thoughts, uh, but I, I really do think Green Bay needs to start fast in this game. And if Green Bay starts fast, I think it's going to be really hard for the Niners to come back. Because if you force San Francisco past the ball, it just leads to more potential mistakes from Jimmy G. And I think the Packers, if they get the chance, I think they're going to receive. I don't think they're going to defer. I think they're going to receive. I don't think they want the Niners to start fast. I think they want to be the team that starts fast. They had a great first drive against Detroit. Hopefully they can kind of keep that up. First drives have not been Green Bay's thing this year. Really the first quarter has not been Green Bay's thing. Tough for our guy first quarter Murph. But I do think that Green Bay wants to sort of establish themselves in that first quarter so we'll see what happens there that's like the first big thing of the game which is crazy you're like it's the coin toss it's like yeah actually like it's it's a huge moment in the game to see if green bay is really like all right all systems go if they get that opportunity now if the niners win the toss and they accept then i think you also know the niners want to get out quick uh, it's a very fascinating chess match between matt lafleur and Kyle shanahan number four Packer secondary and contain guys against Debo Samuel is a huge matchup. Like Debo is incredible. Debo has played really well. He is to me a potential unicorn just because of the way he runs the football and the way he catches is something I don't think any of us have seen. Uh, Debo being a second round pick and a lot of people missing on Debo mostly because he's not the biggest guy in the, in the game. But the thing is, is like. Debo is that athlete player. He's the guy who can kind of do it all and terrifies you. It terrifies you that he is going to light you up. If, if there's one person that, okay, he the, who is the Raheem Moser? Who is the Colin Kaepernick? It'd be Debo Samuel. It just has to be, all right? And I'm, again, those games don't matter. But I'm saying if there is going to be somebody, it'd be Debo. If Contain falls apart, if the secondary cannot hold him when it comes to the pass game, it's going to be a long night. It's, it just is, all right? And Debo has to be held down. Now, is he going to have a big play here or there? Of course. He's one of the best players in football. Like, he, he's going to have a big play. But it's just a matter of limiting those. It's just a matter of one or two versus five or six. If Debo Samuel has five or six, like, big-ass plays, it, it's probably a Packer loss, all right? Like, I, I think hate to simplify it to that level. Uh, shout out to my guy, John Madden, who I think would, would do something similar. But it, it just this. I think the Packers are going to be focused in on Debo. I think the contain's going to be good. And I think they will do things to stop Samuel on the outside and hopefully keep him in check. Lastly, before we finish, and I'll give a prediction, it feels all around different this year. It just does. The playoff videos with Big Dog, with Rodgers, Randall Cobb's comments about how much a Super Bowl would mean to him. Like, it just feels so different. And I don't know if anyone is qualifying that. I think the fans know. Like, I think those who are in it every day, who are listening, who are seeing things know. But I don't think the national media understands the team that wants it the most is the Green Bay Packers. The team that is hell-bent on getting to the Super Bowl and winning the Super Bowl is the Green Bay Packers. It's not anybody else. Tampa Bay already has one. I think they know Tom Brady there. The Rams know they have multiple years left with Matt Stafford. The Niners, 
it's a weird like Jimmy G Trey Lance thing. If maybe the players to me, I think matter more to say like we love Jimmy and we want to show our support by carrying Jimmy all the way to the Super Bowl. And we could do the AFC too at another time, but I just think the Packers are so focused on getting to the getting to the Super Bowl. And that it cannot be ignored. Also cannot be ignored is the bye week stuff. If you listen to guys like Mitchell Schwartz, who's on Ryan Rosillo's podcast, I think Monday. If you listen to some guys like that, there are other guys who've mentioned this too, where bye weeks matter. And the fact that Green Bay got a bye, the fact that Green Bay is fully rested, the fact that Green Bay is relatively healthy. Now, if you don't have David Bakhtiari, it really sucks. It's next man up. Josh Nyman, I think, can do this. He did it. In week three, I don't understand why this would be different for Josh. I would have questions about why did Bakhtiari play against the Lions and be a little bit upset at Aaron Rodgers. But again, let's not let's not go there. Um, Nyman out there, good. Losing Marquez Valdez-Scantling, tough. But you can, you can survive without him. I think there are guys who can still take the top off. I think Cobb can still take the top off a little bit. I think Lazard... In a, in a sense, like in a vacuum. No one's fast as as Marquez Valdez-Scantling, but I do think Green Bay can still take the top off with or without Marquez Valdez-Scantling. It sounds like they won't have who he has back injury. But it's different, man. These guys want to win so goddamn bad, and I will be very surprised if they don't. I know I said a lot of negative things at the start. They're like, wow, are you going to pay the Packers to lose? It's like, no. I just need to like... I, it's sometimes when I do these podcasts, it's like therapy, right? Like I, I'm just really getting everything out that I that I feel. And so I, I have to at least acknowledge that other side of my brain. I think the Packers are going to win. I think the score is going to be somewhere around 28 to 17. I don't think it's going to be close. I think the Niners will get a garbage time touchdown, make it look a little closer. I think Green Bay is going to insert their will. And the Packers have had some really famous wins in Lambeau against the Niners. Forget the mud game, Desmond Howard. But I do think there'll be some major moments. I wouldn't be surprised if Rasul takes one back. And that's that's one of my predictions. Um, it's going to be great. Can't wait to be there. Um, if you're going to be there, just let me know. Um, can coordinate, hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, and we'll uh, maybe do something. Maybe I uh, have a beer and, and chat it up. Let's move on to the rest of the weekend because there's more things. Uh, there's more local things. We may, at the end, when we do the bar stuff, we might end up talking about the uh, rest of the NFL playoffs as well. But we'll talk about the other weekend games that are hitting right now. Big weekend of hoops for the state of Wisconsin, especially tonight. Uh, tonight's a great night to go out to the bars and watch the game. If you don't have a significant other or your significant other is out, it's Probably worth just maybe heading out to the bar, having a beer, and watching both the Bulls, Bucks, as well as the Badgers and Michigan State Spartans. It's nice for those who are Badger and Bucks fans. The Badger game starts a hour later, so you kind of get that structure. It was really tough with uh, Marquette Villanova and Bucks Grizzlies going at the same time. I had the two TV, or well, I had a TV and a laptop set up. I had the Bucks on the laptop and Marquette Nova on the big screen. And so that was kind of how I was watching those games. And I was more than ready to make the switch if Marquette was going to struggle. And they never struggled. And then they won the game, which we talked about on yesterday's show. But the Bucks bulls tonight, uh, the Bulls come, at, come in a little bit wounded. Uh, they don't have Zach Levine. I think Lamelo Ball, or Lamelo, Lonzo Ball is back. Uh, Alex Caruso might be back. So the Bucks, the Bucks are definitely not seeing the full Bulls 
But this is another statement game for the Bucs. We've seen the Bucs really thrive in these sort of statement game environments against Memphis, against Golden State, against Brooklyn. This is yet another one. The Bulls currently leading the Central. Uh, but yeah, oh, Lonzo's not playing, excuse me. So no Lonzo, no Levine, but they do have Alex Caruso uh, back in the lineup. So the Bulls will be a little bit shorthanded on the perimeter. Probably means a good game for... Uh, Drew Holiday, if he's back in the lineup, as well as Chris Middleton, I think that's where you can take advantage. I have no idea who's going to stop Giannis on the Bulls. I have zero idea. If, if someone has a suggestion of who the Bulls will put on Giannis, please let me know. I, Milwaukee's an eight and a half point favorite tonight. Um, I think that's for good reason. I That's a little steep, but I, I think that's kind of built into who the fuck is going to stop Giannis. Because, yeah, no Lonzo Ball, so that means you're going to have Kobe White out there. Um, and Alex Caruso. So it'll be Kobe White, Caruso, maybe Io DeSumo. That's really small. And then you have DeMar and Nikola Vucevic. God, the Bucks should dominate inside. This is why this line is eight. Like I know they beat the Cleveland Cavaliers who are pretty big themselves yesterday. But yeah, so oh, so Lonzo surprised me eight, seven, six to eight weeks. I didn't miss that. Uh, so that is interesting. So yeah, they will not have Lonzo Ball for a while. That is a significant loss for the Chicago Bulls. Kobe White's good, but Lonzo Ball's really talented. So I do think that the Bucks should be able to win this one. Um, they also then have the Kings on Saturday. Really feel bad for a lot of people with tickets for that game because it was supposed to be a seven o'clock game, right? With the Packers, they moved it to six. I thought they should have moved that to about a 3.30, 4 o'clock game. But I I have to think there are so many variables that go into that. I wrote something for TabithaKegSports.com about what I would do if I was a Bucks fan who was going to that game, but also a Packer fan. I think there are ways to do it. I think whether you have the YouTube TV app, which I recommended, where you could basically have the Packer game going for the second half of the Bucks game. Maybe the game's a blowout. Um, and they are able to clear out and say, all right, we're, we'll watch the f- until the fourth quarter and then go to a bar. Obviously, none of the bars around town are going to have the Bucks game on. That'd be an ambitious effort. Actually, that would be a hell of a fucking social media video. If And, and Mitch, just, I don't think Mitch has the... I love Mitch, so don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to shit on Mitch. But if we had Mitch go out to all the different uh, now MLK Drive bars... And be like, hey, can you try the Bucks game? Like, I, I, oh my God. I think that would be such a funny fucking video. <laughs> if they didn't have the game on. I, now, I think it's going to be really hard to get into like all the bars. But I mean, some places I think would be nicer than others. Some places might have the game. Like, I think like my guys at the Broad House, they have so many TVs. Like, I'm sure the Bucks will get a corner TV for like the four Bucks fans who are there to watch Bucks Kings over the Packers. But yeah. Uh, we'll see what happens there. That's the one where you're like, ah, don't be hung over now. And that, and don't lose that game because, you know, the Kings aren't good. And there's no reason the Bucks should lose to the Kings. The Kings will be well-rested. I think they haven't played uh, since, like, middle of the week. So they're going to be well-rested. But still, there's no fucking reason to lose to the Sacramento Kings. And that would be the frustration, right? That would be the inconsistency if they did. Uh, but I have all confidence in the world. Bucks can have a good weekend. Get it going, three-game win streak. You, you love to see it. So I don't talk a ton about Wisconsin on here. You guys know that. I don't need to give you the whole spiel. But Wisconsin, Michigan State, definitely a big game. Definitely one of the top games 
of the college basketball weekend. You have a great college basketball weekend with Auburn and Kentucky uh, tomorrow as well. But a premier game, a battle for the top of the Big Ten. Uh, Michigan State had a weird loss to Northwestern uh, on the road or at home, um, and you could wonder: Is Michigan State kind of? I'm not saying in the doldrums, but like the last two games for Michigan State, really tight uh, game against Minnesota where he needed a buzzer beater and then lose at home to Northwestern. That that definitely has to factor into decision-making of how this game might go. The one thing I worry about for Wisconsin is the fact that they their interior defense is not good. Uh, right now in Ken Palm, they are 10th in two-point percentage. Michigan State is third. Uh, Badgers are also seventh against the three-pointer. Michigan State, two. So Michigan State gets hot from deep. That could be a big issue. Michigan State's biggest problem this year has been their turnover percentage. Right now, Ken Palm is 14th. That is last in the Big Ten. Uh, so if Wisconsin's forcing turnovers, which is something they're not necessarily known to do, it uh, could be a long night for Michigan State. And I think really where it comes down to is, is Michigan State can actually you know make sure that they're not turning the ball over that that's where they're going to maybe thrive but Cole center has been good to the badgers when it comes to facing michigan state uh they're the, the famous bolo and zizzo sort of stuff so definitely there uh badgers you know they've been really good at shooting the three recently i mean the, the numbers don't don't say it so at some point that's going to regress so you just hope they don't fall in love with the three-point shot if you're cheering for Wisconsin, and it's not falling for them. Because uh, Michigan State, very good against defending the three, uh, not only in conference, I think they're best in the conference, and also nationally. So it'll be an interesting game. I don't know what the spread is. Um, I, I don't know. I think it's a, honestly, a, it might be a stay-away game. Ken Baum has it as a three-point win for Wisconsin, but I don't know. It might might just stay away. I, there's no metric that like is defining where I'm like, oh yeah, this definitely leads me to Wisconsin or this leads me to Michigan State. I'm not sure on that. Marquette plays on Sunday against Xavier. So Marquette, after their massive win against Villanova, no rest for the wicked. They go in to face Xavier, who they have already lost to 80-71 to earlier in the season. That was Marquette's first Big East loss of the year. Xavier is four and two with two losses to Villanova. They have a, such a weird schedule. Like they've lost to Mar, they beat Marquette, which is a good win. Then they lost two to Villanova, but the other three wins are Butler, Creighton, and DePaul, who you could argue are kind of the doldrums of the Big East this year. And the DePaul win on Wednesday was very tight. Like DePaul could have easily won that game. Uh, it was 68-67. Uh, Xavier escaped. But yeah, Marquette really sort of fell apart at the end against the Xavier. Uh, Xavier had some had big games off the bench. Uh, Jack Nudgy and Dewan Odom both had massive games for Xavier. So Marquette hopefully will make some adjustments in that one. Greg Elliott and Justin Lewis and Marcel were all really good in that game. So hopefully that, that trend continues uh, and you don't have necessarily any issues. Marquette also had a, a decent amount of turnovers in that game. 12 total. Uh, so it'll be a very interesting matchup. I think one of the things that worries me, I guess, would be the fact that Xavier is very good at protecting the ball. Marquette has been really good at turning people over in conference play, and Xavier has been the best team in terms of turnovers. They're good against defending the three. Marquette has been the best team in 
the Big East in terms of shooting the three-point percentage. They are very good. Their offensive efficiency is at 107. Xavier's defense is at 102, which uh, in terms of that is two and six. So the, maybe there's something there. Again, similarly to that Badger-Michigan State game, there isn't really like a trend here where I, I look at it and I love it. I guess the only thing for Xavier would be the fact that they've been getting fat on cupcakes and maybe they're just not ready for a fight that they're going to get from Marquette. I, I don't expect Marquette to let down. I'd be really surprised if they do, just given, you know, they had that big win against Illinois. And I remember everyone's like, oh, they're going to let down. They're going to let down against Old Miss. And then they went out and kicked Old Miss's ass. So that to me is is where I look at it, where I'm like, they, they didn't let down there. So I think that's one of those things where I'm not necessarily as concerned of a letdown spot for the Golden Eagles. I, I think they can win this game, but it's, it's not going to be easy. Um, it's definitely a, I wouldn't say it's house, it's definitely not house money. I was going to say, it's not house money. I think you'd like to win this one only because your next two are on the road. You go to Seton Hall and then you go to Providence and then you're home for Villanova and then back out on the road for Connecticut. Like this is a game where you'd like to have it. If you're then 2-0 and in this stretch of top tier teams, then you do build in a little bit of house money protection with Seton Hall and Providence. I, I, I really do believe that before the schedule kind of lightens up to finish off the year. Like this is the stretch for Marquette where I think we're all happy with two and four, honestly, but I think expectations will shift as it goes on. But you'd hate to go four straight losses after after winning this one. I think the sky's the limit. I, I look at the schedule, I'm like, yeah, these next five games are really tough, but I'm like, who knows? I'm not saying Marquette's going to sweep them. I mean, if Marquette sweeps them, all right, I'll, I'll put it to this. So sweeping them would mean they'd win the Villanova, or UConn would be the last one. So it's a Tuesday night. Uh, my my guy coach always tells me, Chuck, are you skins? And like, are you skins team? I will go skins team for a UConn win if they go undefeated. We'll put it that way. There's no way it will happen. It's just, it's not, I mean, who knows? Maybe it will. Maybe it will. Um, and, and I'll do it. I'll, I'll go skins. I promise you. All right. Let's go to uh, bar complaints and bar advice to finish off the Friday show. I don't know. I'll, I'll think of a better topic. But bar complaint or think of a better tagline for this. But the bar complaint I do have, it's very nuanced. It's very to me is John Rothstein's obsession with standalone games for college basketball. I like John Rothstein. I do. I think he's a one of one. Just his obsession with college basketball, I really appreciate. I would love to talk to John Rothstein and just understand, you know, how how it started, why he is this way, and his just passion for college basketball. Like everyone will be watching the NFL playoffs. John Rothstein's gonna be watching whatever college basketball games are going on during that time. Maybe he has a corner TV that has football games on, but John Rothstein is dialed in to college basketball during that because it's a Saturday. It's a Saturday in January, right? Rothstein's been obsessed with getting standalone games. Like he had multiple tweets ranting and raving about how Arizona, UCLA, and Gonzaga were all playing at the same time. Like John, John wants to be a TV scheduler. And I think what John doesn't understand is like, it's not all about John. Like, look, eight o'clock for a West Coast game is a good time. Because not only do you make sure that fans get in the arena, you also make sure that people at home can watch their teams. I'll tell you, as someone who has to deal with 6 o'clock games from time to time or 5.30 or the, the fourth, I think there was a 4 o'clock game against Seton Hall that was on the schedule next Wednesday. 
I don't want to fucking deal with that. I got a life, man. Like eight o'clock, seven o'clock, that's great. That that gives me more than enough time to get shit done around the house, have dinner. You know, if I wanted to go out, go out. Like, it's not all about John Rothstein. I like Rothstein, but like, relax on the standalone games, my guy. That's all I'm saying. Also, too, uh, other things. Um, I, I was going to talk about my sweater wearing. There was a, lo- a review I did. Gosh, I think it was for the Seton Hall game. I was wearing uh, like a cardigan. It's with me now. So that's why I, I thought about it. And we'll bring it up here. Is I have this cardigan. It's great. It's one of my favorite things that I have and that I wear in winter. And my guy, Cap'n, was asking me like, what do you, how do you advise on sweaters? Here's what I'll say. Gotta have a rotation of sweaters. And I'm not, I'm saying hoodies, cardigans, whatever. Gotta have your warm stuff. You gotta have your stuff that is gonna keep you warm during the the cold. We're dealing with a chill right now. You want those sweaters, but you also want those lightweight sweaters to make sure that you're, you know, it's not necessarily something you sweat in and you gotta keep, especially as a big man like myself, you can't necessarily have like all heavy sweaters. If you have all heavy sweaters as a big guy, you're just asking for trouble. You're just asking for sweat. You're asking for stink. You don't want that. You gotta have a, a variety. Uh, variety is the spice of life. So yeah, that's that's my advice for sweaters. Um, as for um, my favorite things about, I, I realize that we've never done any Hawaii stuff. I don't know if you guys care. Um, but yeah, I miss Hawaii. Um, it was good to be back. It was good to be back in the mix. I think next week I'll feel even more like in the flow of things. Um, certainly don't miss, uh, or certainly miss the weather. I mean, it was 80 degrees every day. I miss the afternoon naps, uh, that I would take where it was like, I had a cocktail and then I was like, all right, take a little nap. Uh, that I miss. Uh, I don't miss the time change, uh, just for sports. Like, I look. I was like, if I was a sports fan out here, I probably would fucking lose my mind. Like, 8 a.m. football games are cool, but at some point, they'd get annoying. Like, could you imagine? Like, if you're putting together your fantasy lineups, you're putting together what you're going to do from a card perspective, like, you'd have to get up at fucking 5 a.m. And if you're going out Saturday night, like, I'm just saying, like, that would be terrible. So, I, and uh, college football, start with that start at 7 a.m.? Like, it's great in theory. But at some point, like it would just, it would just bum me out. Like you just wouldn't have the time. You have less time, I think, than you do as a sports fan today. I, I don't miss that. Um, miss the food. The food was great. I will see how the scales treat me. I'm taping this early before I work out and weigh in, but that that will probably not be good. But we'll see. You never know. Um, but yeah, I, I really, I would recommend it. I think if you were to go. What I would tell you is understand how long the flights are. Like, we fucking went and Southwest was late with their flight out of Chicago heading there. And then we go to Phoenix. And then literally right after Phoenix, we went and caught a flight to Hawaii. We didn't have any time to sit, charge our phones, to eat. So both of us, my wife and I, are just dying. Like, I am in bad shape. Like, I'm like, like a stomach ache. It's like I haven't ate enough. Like I feel, I just feel terrible. I feel gross. Like I, I've never really dealt with like airplane sickness. I'm uncomfortable because I'm like, it's a, t- it's, it was a tight ride to Phoenix from Phoenix. Like it was really a tight airplane. It was an older airplane. I let my batteries dead, which like I didn't care too much about. I'll be honest. Like I know you're like, oh Charlie, how could you live without your phone? It's like I, I fucking did. Don't don't come at me with that. But it, but yeah, it was it was tough, man. That was such a 
brutal ride. Then we watched Ocean's 8, which is a good movie. Surprisingly good. Like, I thought they were just doing that for money grab and, like, women's power. Like, yeah, it was a good movie. I, I liked it. Um, that was definitely something I, I enjoyed uh, on the flight there. And, yeah, so that's what I would I would really say. Like, just understand it's a long flight. The flight back was much better. It was much, much better. But, yeah, just understand how long of a fucking flight it is if you're flying out of Milwaukee or Chicago. Uh, that's just one thing to keep in mind if you're doing Hawaii. All right, last, last thing. NFL predictions, whatever. I think Titans are going to beat up the Cincinnati Bengals. I actually love the Titans in this spot. I think the Titans are not getting enough respect, as usual. I think everyone's just overseeing that the Titans are going to win. Have the sneaky feeling the Rams are going to beat the Buccaneers. I don't know why. I just think they are. I, I it has nothing to do with. I don't want to face Tom Brady. Everything like that. I just kind of see the Rams, and maybe. They look too good. I understand that Bill Simmons has that whole thing, and he's going to talk about how much he loves the Niners on his podcast today, and it's going to drive me crazy, but that's another story for another time. I just think that I just think the Rams might win. I, the Jalen Ramsey-Mike Evans piece cannot be understated. I do worry about their safeties and Gronk, but I think you should have Taylor Rapp back. He, was, he dealt with a concussion and couldn't play. I don't know if he'll be able to play this week, but if they have at least one of their safeties back, then you have Gronk solved for. But can really Gronk at his age carry a team and like have 11, 11 or 12 receptions? I don't know. And then with the, what's the other game? Bills Chiefs, of course. Oh, man, how could you forget? I mean, that's going to be an awesome game. I think the Chiefs are going to win. I think there is a sense of you don't want to necessarily pick the Chiefs because it's boring. It's what every year is going to be. I do think there is a potential that the Bills are the hottest team left and that they have the momentum. And you can argue if that matters, if it doesn't. But I, I just see the Chiefs winning that game. I think Arrowhead's a really tough place to play. I think the Chiefs have it moving in the right direction. I think the Bills have a little more demons in terms of their playoffs. I don't think they're exactly there yet. I think they're one more hardship away from sort of getting there. I think back, it's different sports, but it, it's similar to Giannis and just understanding what it took to win in the playoffs and how it took multiple heartbreaks to realize like where I have to put it. And I, I just think like Josh Allen has had last year and really hasn't necessarily kind of been baptized in. I think this will be the year of it. We'll see. Um, and so I'll take the Chiefs. So my final four will be the Packers, the Rams, the Chiefs, and the Titans. And that will be it. But we'll see if I'm right. We'll see if I go 4-0. Oh, we'll see if I go 0-4. Who knows? Uh, we'll be back um, probably Monday. Um, I'll try to get the podcast. I'll, I'll, I'll put it to you this way. I will try to get the podcast out after Buccaneers Rams. I, I don't if whether the Packers lose, whether the Packers win. I, I don't if the Packers lose, maybe I'll get out even earlier. But um, I'm going to Marquette game too, so there's that. Um, and I want to watch the games, of course. But I will try to get you guys out a podcast um, sometime in the late afternoon on Sunday. That'll be kind of a Sunday Monday pod. So you just you have that for your Monday. So you can either listen to it Sunday night or you can listen to it Monday morning. However you choose. Appreciate the support as always. Take care. Have a good one. And go Pack Go. All right. See you guys. Bye.